So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space, Humorous Limit 102. My name is John Keeley. Thank you again for joining me this morning. And this, it is... The Solemnity of Christ the King, John. Very good. And the date is the 25th of November. It's 25th of November. Good, on, good morning, listeners, and thank you again for joining us. My name is John Keeley, as I said. Uh, we, we're recording this in our Common Sea studio here in Ida. And delighted uh, this morning to welcome back again in part two, actually we've been speaking much much more, with Father Luke McNamara from Glenstall Abbey. Good morning to you, Father Luke. Good morning, John. Good morning, Shane. Good morning, Father Luke. Welcome to the programme. Thank you very much. Father Luke is going to share some thoughts with us on, on Advent. And of course, uh, I think they have a program actually happening in Advent, but we'll go through more of that in part two. But it, most importantly, we want to welcome those listeners who are housebound. Those listeners who are lonely and struggling with some maybe health problems this morning, maybe have got some bad news, maybe about the family, um, just be assured that we are with you for the next hour. We will certainly be praying for you and thinking about you and asking you just to tune in, maybe to some good news that hopefully you're going to hear this morning. Just to remind people again, Sacred Space is broadcast on West Limit 102 local radio at 10 a.m. and 11 p.m. each Sunday. And a podcast of this and previous programs are available on our blog, which is www.sacredspace102.blogspot.com. That's www.sacredspace102.blogspot.com. And also by searching Come and See Inspirations on iTunes. Of course, you can contact us, and we'd invite you to contact us by email, and that's on sacredspace102 at gmail.com. Or you can text us, and that's on 87 6088667. That's 0876088667. Now I recognise maybe some of those names might be might be long for some people. Sacredspace102 at gmail.com. But a text is fairly easy to get to. 0876088667. And again, we invite listeners to comment on the program. Maybe you want. Maybe you'd like to join us. Maybe one of the weeks. Maybe you'd like to have us invite uh, guests that you might know who, who might have some, some faith topics maybe <coughs> to share with us. But in the meantime, uh, at this part of the programme, and there was a good intro where Shane, still, you still got that cough, Shane. Mm-hmm. But anyway, you're going to share some saints for the week that are coming up this week, please? Indeed, John. Thank you very much. So, um, so as John said, we're into the feast. Today is the feast of Christ the King, and obviously it's the 34th week in ordinary time. So for those of us praying the Psalter, we're on week two. Now, saints coming up in the in the last, what is the last week of the liturgical year, John? We're coming up to the last week of the liturgical year. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so on Monday, we have the feast day of <coughs> Blessed Hugh Taylor. Now, Hugh is one of the martyrs of England and Wales, uh, also known as one of the martyrs of Dewey, I think it's pronounced. He studied in France, was ordained in 1584, and then came back secretly to minister to um, oppressed Catholics in in England, starting in March 1585. He worked for only a few months before being the first person to be martyred in the persecutions of Queen Elizabeth I. And he was uh, hung, drawn and quartered on the 26th of November in 1585 at York, in England. Then on the 27th of November, we have the feast day of St. Fergal on the Irish calendar. Now, St. Fergal is associated with, uh, well, he first lived in France and then in Bavaria, and he founded the monastery of Shimsi, I think it's how it's pronounced, and he was appointed Bishop of Salzburg around 754 and died in 784, leaving quite a reputation for learning and holiness behind him. 
also known as Virgo uh, in some parts of the continent as well. Then on the 28th of November, we have the feast day of Catherine Labore. Of course, Catherine Labore is the seer of the Miraculous Medal. She saw Our Lady in the Rue de Bac. Uh, one of the sisters, she was one of the sisters of charity. And um, and in 1830, for, in July 1830, she had a vision of Our Lady who described to her a medal which she wished to be struck. And on one side was an image of Our Lady and the words, O Mary, conceive without sin. Pray for us who have recourse to thee. And on the other are the hearts of Mary, Jesus, the hearts of Jesus and Mary. Um, and it's, of course, known as the Miraculous Medal to this day. Interesting thing about Catherine Labore, um, John, is that she is one of our incorruptibles. Um, her body hasn't incorrupted uh, and is still to be seen in the shrine at the Rue de Bac in Paris. Mm-hmm. And she died in, she died actually on the 31st of December in 1876. And she's entombed in the convent chapel. So that's uh, Catherine Labore. Then on the 29th of November, we have the feast day of St. Brendan of Burr. Now, this is not Brendan the Navigator, <clears throat> who he's sometimes mixed up with. Yeah. He was a brother monk of Brendan the Navigator at Clonard Abbey. But Br- Brendan of Burr, he's known as one of the Twelve Apostles of Ireland. He was a spiritual student of St. Finian. And he founded the monastery at Burr in County Offaly and served as its abbot from 540 AD. And it was an interesting one. He was a friend and advisor to St. Columba, whose feast day we also recently celebrated. And Columba had a vision of the abbot's soul being carried away by angels when Brendan died, which I think is a lovely tradition, I suppose, associated with the saint. And he is said to have died in 573 at Burr in Ireland. Then on Thursday, on Friday, we have one of the big ones this week. It's the feast day of St. Andrew the Apostle. Andrew from Bethsaida, disciple of John the Baptist, and he was, and when he was originally called by Jesus, obviously, of course, he was a brother of Peter, and he brought Peter to Jesus. In particular, on his feast day, we remember the Orthodox Church, and in particular the church in Constantinople, as today is their patronal feast day. Or, sorry, as the 30th, rather, is their patronal feast day. So, like for Rome, um, it's associated with Peter and Paul, whose feast day is the, is it the 29th of June. And so, Andrew is celebrated on the 30th of November. Um, it's an interesting one. Tradition, he, you know, we have the, the St. Andrew's Saltire, which is on the cross, in, or on the flag of Scotland. Mm. And the tradition is that St. Andrew was crucified on a cross shaped like that. Um, how he got associated with Scotland, I'm not 100% sure. He's also the patron mm. saint of Russia, Russia and of yeah. fishermen. Now, the fishermen bit, I guess, mm. because he was a fisherman, but the rest I'm not so sure about. Then finally, next Saturday, if you can believe it, folks, is the 1st of December. Where has the year gone? We're into mm. the final month, and it is the feast day. Now, this is an unusual, John. It's the feast day of Simon of Cyrene. Uh, now, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, tradition is obviously he was the man that helped Jesus to carry his cross. Uh, his the, 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 the tradition holds that he was a first century convert, the father of Saint Rufus, and uh, also a missionary to France. Now that bit, you know, you could put a question mark over that. And he's associated as being the first bishop of Avignon. Again, question mark over that. He was supposed to have been crucified himself around 100 AD. And so that's what we celebrate next Saturday. So that's what we have, John, in terms of celestial guides for the coming week. Okay, Shane, thanks a lot for that. Okay, just one or two little notices. I just want to bring some people's attention. Um, for those of us who might visit Newcastle West Church uh, during the week, uh, there's a nice little display up there on the right-hand side, actually, just towards the front of the altar, and it's all about trochra. And it's about giving gifts, Christmas gifts, on behalf of Trogra, maybe to some people, you know, sometimes we have 
gifts that we give to people who don't necessarily want gifts and maybe we, we do it because we have to and all this sort of stuff. Trokra have got this idea of, of buying a gift and once you notify um, Troka, you'll, you'll get a card either sent to you or to your friend. Letting that friend know that maybe you bought a gift from Troka on behalf of these people. So, for instance, to send some chicks, for instance, to Troka down at the farm, cost eight euros. Maybe if you want to make a garden grow, um, fruits, seeds, vegetable seeds and so on and so forth. Also, um, if you want to even give a lamp, maybe shine a lamp, uh, sh- shine a light for some, maybe families, it's 15 euros. The bottom line is there's loads of these various gifts that are available from Troca. There's a number of ways you can, you can contact them. You can contact them by phone, and that's at 1850-408-408. That's 1850-408-408. Or you can maybe visit a Troca uh, bookstore if it's close to you. I think the nearest one to us is in Ennis, I think. Yeah, I think it's in Ennis anyway. And then there's a Troca Centres in Maynooth, um, obviously, called, uh, kind of Kildare, or 9 Cook Street, Cork, or 12 Cathedral Street in Dublin. Or maybe you can go online, and that's www.troca.org, um, and just go to the gift section there. It's a wonderful idea for those people who may be thinking, what will I do for Christmas and so on and so forth? There you are. You can give one. So, Shane, I'm not going to buy you anything at all. But on your <laughs> behalf, I might buy a few chicks, maybe for those people out, mm. out abroad somewhere. Very good idea. And the other thing that I just want to mention there in regard to Newcastle West, uh, both myself and Shane at this stage, people would know we, we do go to Lecture Divina every, every Monday night. It's from 10 past 8 to 10 past 9. We're looking for people to join our group. Um... Maybe the start of the year, maybe starting off any Monday night, really, from 10 past 8 to 10 past 9. It's in the Paris Centre there in Newcastle West. A number of people are actually, um, at, at the moment, we're, we're compiling a small little um, vox pop um, idea there from various uh, participants within that group, just letting us all know as to why they attend Lecture Divina each week. You might think about joining us. It's in the Paris Centre. It's easy going. You don't have to do anything at all. Just come there, sit and listen. You learn so much about the Sunday Gospel. So there's a person that I was speaking to there recently who's a newcomer to the group, and she was blown away, Shane. She said, I didn't realise there was so much in this. And when I went to Sunday Mass, it made such a difference to me mm. because at least I had some idea. So that's 10 past 8 to 10 past 9 in the Newcastle West Paris Centre. So we go for our first... Before we go for our first bit of music, we have a spiritual communion prayer. Then we pray for those uh, for those of our community and our families, maybe, who are sick, those people who can't get out of the house, and those people who received Holy Communion and Mass every day of their lives, but for some reason can't make it to Mass these days. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul, since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. So now we'll go for our first bit of music this morning. And the first bit of music I thought we'd play this morning, again, is from my good friend, Melinda Dabisku. And this one, maybe us all to slow down a little bit, it's entitled, Peace is Flowing Like a River. So let's, let's listen to this.
Sacred Space. So welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space. My name is John Keeley, still joined in the studio here by Shane Ambrose. And of course, uh, welcome again to our guest, Father Luke McNamara. He's a monk of Glenstall since 1998, I believe, and also lectures in scripture in St. Patrick's College in Maynooth. Good morning again, Father Luke. Good morning, John. <coughs> Thank you very much, Neil, for joining us. Now, uh, listeners might remember this time last year, we also had a conversation with Father Luke. And Shane, um, yourself and Lu- uh, Father Luke, really led us through Advent and the meaning of Advent and maybe ideas which you take on board in Advent. Would you, where would you like to go, Shane? Sure, John. As you said, uh, so Advent is, is coming up. Today, of course, is Christ the King. It is the last Sunday of the Church's liturg- liturgical year. So next week, next Sunday, is the first Sunday of Advent. And Advent, of course, is very much uh, a season in itself. And sometimes it's the forgotten season uh, in terms of the Church's year. So this morning, we wanted to talk to uh, Father Luke uh, just in terms of what Advent is about, the different meanings of Advent, and I'll get kind of to explain for ourselves what Advent is, but also, um, to, and also in terms of as a period of preparation for Christmas, because there is something, Glenstall are helping, um, are, are, are proposing something to help people in terms of their preparation for Advent as well. So Father Luke is going to tell us about that. But Father Luke, it's great to have you back on the programme this morning. And I suppose in advance, of next Sunday, I was going to say Happy New Year, but we're not quite there just yet. Well, it's quite appropriate to say Happy New Year because for the church, we will be in a new year mm. come the first Sunday of Advent. So in a sense, it is a new year for us. <clears throat> and the, the, the whole purpose of Advent isn't simply a preparation for Christmas it, because there's actually two parts to Advent. The first part of Advent is we, we're not looking to the coming of Christ at Christmas, but we're looking to the second coming of Christ at the end time. And it's only in the second part of Advent that we actually look forward to Christmas. Mm. Now, many of your listeners might wonder why mm. would we would we we'd be looking to the end coming of Christ? And sure, that's a long way away. But in one sense, every year it comes nearer. And every year it comes nearer for each of us. And it also attunes us to expecting Christ. And so we, by the practice of expecting Christ in the first half of Advent, we're ready then to re-expect or to, to expect anew the coming of Christ at Christmas, which otherwise could be just like a birthday that comes around every year. Mm. But we're not, it's not simply a birthday. It's the coming of Christ into the world. And it's not a coming of the Christ into the world 2,000 years ago, but it's the coming of Christ into the world in 2018. So, in a sense, to be to be attuned to that, we need to reset our clocks. And the series uh, of talks at the Abbey this year are entitled Tuning In to Real Time. So getting in touch with where we are in relation to Christ and where we are in relation to each other and to the world. And there's been much talk recently about the our changes that we have twice a year mm. in in October and then in March. And there's talk that we're going to get rid of those. And in a sense, uh, it would be very convenient. But those our changes remind us of the movement of time and kind of are a wake up call to us of the passage of time and of our place in that cycle of time. And Advent is really a moment for us 
to become aware of our place in time and of, aware of where we are. So it's, 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 it's a very uh, opportune moment, a very special moment for us to kind of recalibrate, to get in touch with ourselves and prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ at Christmas, but also the coming of Christ into our lives. And there's a lovely line from one of uh, our Benedictine sisters, Sister Maria Boulding in England, who says, what's the point in preparing for the coming of Christ at Christmas if Christ doesn't come to me? And I think it's very just. So it's a very it's a very uh, good way of speaking about the preparation function of Advent, that we don't simply prepare for Christ to come into the world, wonderful and all as that is, but that Christ should come to each of us into our hearts and into our homes. And we speak at this time of year of gifts, of many gifts, and Christ comes with many gifts at Christmas. And the the Sundays of Advent, everybody would probably be aware of the Advent wreath that we have in most parishes. And the Advent wreath has four candles. What people may not be so aware of is that each candle symbolizes has a, symbolizes something. The first symbolizes hope. That's the first Sunday of Advent where we look in hope to the coming of Christ. The second symbolizes peace. The third, joy. And the fourth, love. And these are the gifts that come with the coming of Christ. And so when we, we know from the Gospel of Luke, we, we know from the Song of the Shepherds, and I bring you news of great joy and so on, peace to the world and, and so on. The, the, these these um, themes come from, from the Gospel, but they are symbolized by the candles and our expectation grows as each symbol is Set a light. As you said, I suppose many people would associate it um, with the church, with the churches. Um, but of course, it's not just confined. Uh, it's not just confined to churches. People can actually set up their own little advent wreaths in their uh, in their own homes. Absolutely, <coughs> it's a very good practice to to set up an advent wreath in one's mm. home. There, there, there are a number of ways that uh, people have prepared for Advent in their homes to be prepared more consciously. One is the Advent wreath and the other is the Advent calendar, where people have have a calendar with little boxes for each day. Mm. And each day marks is, 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 is there's a little passage of a very short passage of scripture and maybe also a little present or a little or a little uh, figure of a saint um, and, some, and on, on, on December 6th, that's a very favorite day because mm-hmm. there should be, if the calendar is, is, is the regular one, there should be a piece of chocolate. So children often are very eager to open that day. Yeah. But, but there are various ways of counting, but they're all good because they prepare us for the, to make us more conscious, more aware of the coming of Christ and as particularly of the gifts that he brings of hope, peace, joy and love. And as you said, it's it's very much a season, I suppose. It's an opportunity for us <clears throat> if we consciously enter into the mindfulness of Advent to, you know, it, it, it it's a way, as you said, both to prepare for that second coming, but also in terms of the preparation for Christmas. Because, of course, we live in a world where, you know, since last August, the Christmas things have started. 
uh, and even here on the program, my, John and myself, we have we've refused to talk about the c word for as long as we possibly could get away with it. Um, you know, the c word being the Christmas, but I suppose and, and to give Advent its own space and its own time, because as you said, it's very much it's a, it's it's a time, it's a Kairos moment, it's a it's a moment where we can we can pause, I suppose, and so that we can fully experience the joy of that Christmas season. Because I suppose that's that was one of the things that struck me when I when I was working in the Middle East. Among Orthodox Christians, uh they have a mini Lent, if you like, in preparation for Christmas. Uh, in, uh, they've an extended it's a six week Advent period that they celebrate, but it's also a period of fasting. Uh, in That's preparation, great. in preparation for the big feast of Christmas, and I think it's a great idea, uh, you know, that and something maybe that we should think about, you know, in terms of being able to really savor the celebration, if you like. There's two points about that: the 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 fast that they have in the East is because there was a practice of baptisms on the sixth of January. And that was the reason why they had the fast. And that's still why we have the purple color in Advent. So it was it was a time of preparation for baptism. And then that was taken over as a t- in a later moment as a time of preparation for for Christmas. So it's, it's quite interesting that you should mention that. And the East, of course, has been more conservative in, in, in keeping these practices than we have in the West. The, the other point about Advent is that when we are expecting the coming of Christ, it's, it's some, Christ comes with not just hope, peace, joy and love, but he's also bringing justice into the world. And Advent is, a, like Lent, is a season of bringing justice into the world. And we look forward to the coming of Christ to establish justice in the world. And as we look around us, there's lots of injustice and wars in Yemen and beyond, but also injustices in our own country with homelessness and so on. So we, we recognize or we, 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 we recognize the greater need for the coming of Christ and his particularly in our own country as well. Um, and so we have this expectancy of Advent, not simply for 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 reasons of personal of, of to, to welcome Christ personally into our lives, but also to welcome into the world to bring peace and peace to all. The the Advent season has a number of key figures which help us to interpret this time of waiting. We have the prophet Isaiah, who speaks of converting swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. And these are wonderful images where we have the weapons of war being transformed into agricultural tools which will provide food for people, for the hungry. And in, there's a, a further wonderful thing that happens in that the tools, nothing is lost. The metal that was used to make the weapons is now reused for good. And in, a, in the same way, our gifts and our capacities in Advent, in this period of reflection, are meant to be transformed from being used for backbiting or whatever to providing words of comfort and love and so on to can transform all the gifts we have to be used for good so advent is a time of practice as well and it's also a time of it's also has that penitential flavor of turning once more to the lord mm. and to each other in love 
the readings that we have actually prepare us um, for that, the readings over the three Sundays. And we at Glenstall are proposing to follow those three Sundays with uh, myself on the first Sunday, taking the, the first Sunday gospel from the Gospel of Luke, Dr. Jesse Rogers, who will take the second Sunday, my colleague in Maynooth, and finally, Padraig McIntyre, your neighbour over the border, he's a Kerry man, doing the third, uh, the third uh, Sunday Gospel. On the third Sunday, there's also the opportunity to listen to the boys' choir on Sunday afternoon, and that will be at the earlier time of three o'clock. The other talks will take place at 4.30 in the, in the library. So the, the, the first uh, Sunday, we will be taking our theme as uh, Reset Your Clock, and we will be watching and praying as, as, we are invite, as Jesus invites his disciples in the gospel for the coming of Christ. In the second Sunday, we'll be speaking of John the Baptist as a prophet for our time, who speaks of peace and justice, not simply for uh, the final end time, but for now in Ireland today. And then finally, Padraig McIntyre will speak about divine hospitality offered and received, and he will take the story of the visitation of Elizabeth, Mary to Elizabeth. Um, and so that will, that will be the concluding one, which will point us towards the C word, point us towards Christmas, if I may quote yeah, Of course, of course. Now, it's interesting you said there, just in terms of, <clears throat> I suppose, um, at the beginning you were talking about Advent very much being a season of two halves, like a match, like a very good match, rugby match we had last weekend. We won't talk about that. Um, <clears throat> but also, um, it's as you said, it's a season very much with numbers of figures. So we, we, we've spoken about very much uh, John the Baptist is a figure that is very strong throughout the Advent period. Isaiah, the prophecies, and of course, obviously, the role of Mary um, is very key in in the advent in the advent in the advent period but of you know and it's it's what i love about it i have to say <clears throat> excuse me is that when you're moving through the days and you get to that third sunday in advent it's god of course it's gaudate sunday and you had a great you had a great uh, description of it actually on the notes it was a hinge period of advent because things kind of kind of flip a, a little bit because you go from the from the the preparation for the second coming to more for the preparation for focusing on the on the coming of christmas and of course the great symbolism of that is represented by, of course, the switch to the O's, the great O antiphons, uh, which are the antiphons that are said at evening prayer or vespers, um, the the antiphon before the Magnificat, and they're special. Uh, they're special um, antiphons which are sung during the period from the 17th to the 24th of December. And just for our own listeners and readers on the blog, um, each year of the last number of years, we have posted the O antiphons on each day that they, uh, that they arise with their own particular recordings. But they're great, um, meaningful, beautifully descriptive uh, antiphons, which have a lot of meaning and a lot of character. And I would have said, Father Luke, for you... As a monk in Glenstall, but of course the Oantiphons are very much associated with the divine office. They probably would they would it, would it be right to say that they probably are very special to monastic communities? Yes, the the final week before Christmas at Vespers, uh, every Vespers is solemn, every evening prayer is solemn, celebrated with candles and incense and bells, and the 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 Magnificat antiphon is greeted with uh, 
incense, candles and bells. And we have uh, a manuscript, uh, a beautifully uh, illustra- illustrated manuscript in, in uh, a, a facsimile copy, which we use for the singing of the O Antiphons, which is very, very beautiful. So um, the O Antiphons are, are indeed monastic. And if you, they are a compilation of quotations from the Old Testament tying in the expectation of our, the coming of, of our Lord at Christmas. And it's interesting that they, they, there's an anagram in reverse that they, they, they speak of uh, the coming of Christ, Erocras. Ero is, it spells out in, in reverse. The first letter of each antiphon in reverse spells Erocras, which is, I will be tomorrow. So when you come to the 24th Christmas Eve, you, you have the final O antiphon and the key to the anagram is, is unlocked in a sense. And you can then, then you discover that I will be tomorrow and you sing that on the, on the Christmas Eve. So it's, it's very, very beautiful. Um, the, 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 whole, uh, the whole pattern of the antiphons has been very, very carefully thought out the modes of the antiphons are are very very joyous too. In fact, for those who are of you of your listeners who are musical, we have very special modes for Advent, which are much much more joyous than our regular modes. We have a lot of mode four of the eight modes, and uh, we have a lot of mode four, and um, and that is particularly joyous. So some of your listeners might like to come and and listen to the vespers during the Advent season, or they could connect on the web camera, because our our lauds, our morning prayer, our mass and evening prayer are on the web camera every day. And we have between two and 3,000 viewers each day. So uh, people in Newcastle West and beyond are very, very welcome to tune in as well. In, <clears throat> and I have to say myself, uh, I, I have been a beneficiary of that camera and it, it is a lovely way to join, the, uh, join in with the community, uh, particularly for Vespers. Or the office of of, uh, of resurrection on a Saturday night. Um, in terms of the Advent season, I suppose, Father Luke, one of the other things I suppose that's associated with it is, is uh, the practical preparations that people might do in terms of, um, uh, I suppose, uh, welcoming Christ into our lives. So, as you said, it's a period which is associated often with um, penance. So, go for people to go to confession during the Advent period. Uh, is, is is highly encouraged, and of course, there's also um, the the tradition of the preparation of the crib. And you, you you had wanted to you had wanted to mention a couple of things about that. Well, I, I think just at at a very at the very simple way of preparing for Advent first might be to pray the Angelus. Uh, if if you haven't if you forget it from time to time, to pray it regularly during Advent, because it is a very good Advent prayer, which we have all year round. Um, it because it, it is anticipating uh, the coming of Christ into the world. So for for a very practical uh, for a very practical preparation, uh, uh, the Angelus would be very good. And there we have the Annunciation and the Visitation uh, quotes from the Annunciation and the Visitation repeated in the in the invocations. But as regards the crib, the crib has been with us for almost eight hundred years in the West. And it was actually invented by St. Francis. And St. Francis uh, lived at a time when there was a lot of pilgrimages to the Holy Land. And the pilgrims were coming back 
and they had seen um, enacted the uh, the uh, liturgy at, at, of Christmas in Bethlehem. And there they could see everything enacted and they wanted to repeat something of that liturgy in Italy. And so at Greccio, near where St. Francis was, there was, there was, a, there was a, a, a crib constructed, the first in 1223. And the, the people were able to pray and uh, the night vigil um, over, 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 overnight through, through having the crib there and then the readings accompanying them. So the, 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 the crib is populated by, by a lot of unusual characters. We have the shepherds, which come from the Gospel of Luke. We have the Magi, which come from the Gospel of Matthew. We have, of course, Mary and Joseph and the infant Jesus, um, but when Christmas comes. But we have also animals, the ox and the donkey, and you might ask, where are they? They don't appear in either Matthew or Luke's account. But, of course, Matthew and Luke are speaking about, are, are, have echoes to the Old Testament in their accounts. And at the Isaiah, uh, at the very beginning of his prophecy, speaks about the, the how Israel will not listen, but the ox and the donkey will to the coming of the Lord. So the presence of the ox and the donkey is a signal that our Saviour has come and or our Saviour's coming and that they they are the first responders, if in a sense, to the coming of our Lord. So there's something very beautiful in that. As the first responders. Unfortunately, Father Luke, time has caught up with us, I'm afraid. So on, on, on this part of the programme. So just to remind people again that uh, Advent at the Abbey is a series of three Sundays, uh, the December the 2nd, December the 9th and December the 16th. It'll be a series of reflections and uh, in, in tuning into real time is the theme. And it's being they're all held at the, the library at the Monastery in Glenstall at 4.30pm and to be followed by, by tea and coffee. The first Sunday is December the 2nd. It's Reset Your Clock. And it focuses on Watch and Pray, which Father Luke himself will, will take. The second Sunday is December the 9th, A Prophet for Our Time. It's a focus on John the Baptist, and it's going to be led by the Scripture Scholars, Dr. Jesse Rogers. And then finally, on the third, the third Sunday, which is December the 16th, uh, it focuses on divine hospitality offered and received, and will be led by Padraig McIntyre. And obviously on the 16th of December as well, there's also the Abbey Carol service uh, from the, the boys in the school as well. So, Father Luke, thank you very much for sharing with us on Advent this morning. Great to have you back on the programme. And uh, hopefully a couple of people will uh, join us in terms of uh, attending and those at, at, at the Abbey. John, have we a piece of music? We have now. Just before we go for uh, just we go for before we go for that first bit of music. Thanks again, Father Father Luke, for for helping us all to maybe focus a little bit more on, on what Advent's all about. And I believe you're going to stay with us for the gospel. I will do. Yes, thank, thank you, very, you very much. Thank you very much indeed. So in the meantime, we'll go for our second bit of music, which is "You Have Called Me" by Ronan and Joanne Johnson. So let's hear this. Oh 
Sacred Space. So welcome back again to part three. Uh, my name is John Keeley. Uh, still joining us, come and see the studio here by Shane and of course Father Luke McNamara uh, from Glenstall Abbey is joining us on the Skype line. So this part of the program, as usual, a very important part is where we read and reflect on the Word of God. That's the Sunday Gospel. And before that, we have a prayer before we read and reflect. Thank you, Shane. Thanks. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening, 
We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Shane. So the Gospel for today is uh, uh, of Jesus Christ, uh, the Universal King, um, and it's taken from the, from the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verse 33 to 37. And Father Luke is going to share that with us. Thanks, Father. Father Luke. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Are you the King of the Jews? Pilate asked. Jesus replied, do you ask this of your own accord, or have others spoken to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? It is your own people and the chief priests who have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus replied, Mine is not a kingdom of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my men would have fought to prevent my being surrendered to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this kind. So you are a king then, said Pilate. It is you who say it, answered Jesus. Yes, I am a king. I was born for this. I came into the world for this, to bear witness to the truth. And all who are on the side of truth, listen to my voice. Thanks for that, Father Luke. So that's the Gospel for today. Father Luke, would you like to share a thought you might have on that Gospel, please, for us? Well, I suppose the first thing is that this notion of king is quite strange for us in Ireland. And the first thing we think of is a monarch, somebody that has absolute authority over a people, over a particular land. And the people under the monarch are subjects but of course, Jesus explicitly says, my kingdom is not of this world. So we need to look elsewhere. But why does he use this image of king? And I think there's a, there's a, the image is probably, it probably has some important uh, sides to it. There is, there isn't, a king isn't, isn't in a sense chosen or elected. There is a bond between king and people. There is also um, a, there is also a care between a bond of care between king and people. It is the other pendant of the shepherd and the sheep image that was used in the Old Testament to, to speak of God's relationship for His people. So God sometimes was spoken of as shepherd to His people Israel, but also as king to His people Israel. So it speaks of God's care for us. So this regal language is, is it's not so much domination, but it speaks of God's care. And the, the care of the king is, is extraordinary because here the king is before Jesus is king, is only king before Pilate and in his passion. That's the only time he can risk taking the title king because he is the servant king who offers his life to save us. And it is only at this moment that he allows himself to be a tr to be called king. But for us, I think there's there's something very uh, worthy in this: the connection between Jesus and truth. And in this era of fake news, there is a great need for truth. And Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." And here, he he says that he is born for for this to bear witness to the truth 
and all who are on the side of truth, listen to my voice. So how do we belong to Jesus? How can we be subjects of this king? It's not that we have to do anything spectacular. We have to simply listen to Jesus's voice. And there we will find truth. And there are so many difficulties in our lives at the moment. We don't know where to turn. We have many stark choices. But if we listen to the voice of Jesus, there we will find the truth. And sometimes it's the truth we don't want to hear. But Jesus um, niggles at us. He, he, he points at us. He, he helps us. He directs us to listen to his voice and to find the truth. Because if we find the truth, we find the way to life and to fullness of life. And Jesus wants nothing less for each one of his subjects, each one of those in that special bond with him, whether we use the image of the shepherd and the sheep or the king and subjects, there is an indissoluble bond between us and Jesus. And Jesus speaks his word and the sheep listen to his voice and he speaks his word to his subjects. And should we listen to his voice, there we will find the, the truth, but also the way and the life. And that will bring us to eternal life. And that's what Jesus wants for each of us and nothing less. So there is there's there's something very serious in this in this passage. Jesus is before Pilate and he is about to be uh, to be executed. But his concern is for all those who will listen to his voice, all those that they might hear the truth, that the truth that he is witnessing to through his service for us in death on the cross, that we might find through that life. So there's there's something very, very wonderful here, wonderful in this era of fake news. And there's so much of it um, because the Internet is full of it. The media is full of it. The Twitters and the rest of it are full of it, that we, we really need to know truth is short in supply. And there is a there is a very ready access to truth in the words of Jesus Christ. So that's that's what I that's really where where I would emphasize what I would emphasize in this week's gospel. And if if I was to speak of younger people, um, younger people are very sensitive to when people speak the truth, and when people are false, they know it. They can smell it a mile away. I teach young students and I know they, they, when, 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 when you're not sure of yourself, they can sniff it out. The authenticity of Jesus speaks for itself. The words of the gospel are, they're not self-serving. Jesus isn't about getting glory. His only glory is for us to have life and life eternal. That's how he gets his glory. And we, if we follow him in that spirit of service, be we working in nursing homes, caring for people at home who are sick or infirm, or be we even sick or infirm ourselves, but pray for others who need our prayers. We can, all of us, uh, serve others and so imitate Jesus in his desire to give life to others. And so not only be hearers of his witness to the truth, but also ourselves witness to the truth and the world has a huge need for witnesses to the truth and um, and so 
don't feel that any of us can hang up our boots. All of us have a role. Each one of us, every single human being, has a role to witness to the truth in this world, in this world where falsehoods uh, abound, sadly. Father Luke, thank you so much for for sharing those uh, those words of advice to us, really, and, and really bringing through the whole point of the gospel, as far as I was concerned too, which is when Jesus said, I was born for this and I come into the world for this, to bear witness to the truth. And when I was reflecting and meditating on it this week, and I was I, I was coming to the to the same sort of thoughts, really, you know, that, that, that what is truth and so on and so forth. And I come back again to our Lecture Divina group that we have every Monday night in Newcastle West from 10 past 8 to 10 past 9. For myself, I had to find out what the real truth is and to listen to God and listen to his words, which is in the Gospels that we hear every week and every Sunday and every weekday. I have to read the scripture or I have to understand the scripture and maybe share and share the scripture, obviously, because that's witnessing to the truth. So in Newcastle West uh, each uh, Monday night, we break open that word of God, just as Father Luke has now at the moment, broken up out the, up those the, those various thoughts that come through. And of course, maybe the Holy Spirit will certainly speak to each of us in a different way, the way the Holy Spirit wants us, wants to. And so, for this, for for me this week, the most important thing for me this week was to be able to listen to the word of God and to bear witness to that. And I can do that myself through going to lecture divina each week. Father Luke, thank you so much for joining us. We're coming back to the end of the programme. Sorry, Shane, we didn't get a chance to, to let you in for the thought there. Uh, Father Luke, thanks again for joining us. Thank you very much, and John. We'll, thank you, Shane. I was very glad to be with you once again. We'll certainly and I wish you uh, a very happy Advent and thank all you. your listeners. Thank you very much, Father Luke. Thank you. Thank you so much, Father Luke, and uh, many happy returns to yourselves. And maybe, uh, I'm not sure if I'll be able to make it myself, but hopefully some of our listeners will be able to make it again. It's 4.30, Glenstall Abbey, starting next week. Okay, we're going for our final bit of music this morning. And this one, it's entitled Christ the King, and this is by the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. So next week, for myself and Shane, we'll be starting for a brand new year in the church's year. God bless you all now. Bye. That's rescued you. Could you put your hands together with us?
Sacred Space.